how do you get your work done? I might have been surprised by how many questions I received about my daily routine, except that I'm also a sucker for this sort of information. I enjoyed the book Daily Rituals and fell into the usual trap of thinking, oh, if only I have breakfast at the same time Beethoven did, I'll be much more efficient. Bad example, Beethoven was deliciously slovenly and chaotic, uh, followed by, if only I heed the lessons of the book Deep Work and Focus Without Distraction, I muse, deep in procrastination, all will be well. And finally, I say, let me just check Twitter one more time before I get down to work. So, with the caveats that I am permanently frustrated about how little time I have, how much of it I waste, how inefficiently I work and how I'm too much of a control freak to delegate well, here's how I use my time and how I get my work done. I'm very fortunate that my job is my hobby. I love settling down to work. Monday morning is my favourite time of the week. Since I became a working adventurer, I've always worked from home. At times, I've worked in the spare bedroom or from the sofa. I worked for a while in an attic that was so hot I had to strip to my boxes, thankfully before the era of Zoom calls. I once set up a desk in a conservatory for a few months, hiding under an umbrella when the sun was too bright to see my computer screen. I've written blog posts while eating breakfast and edited book chapters on the loo. I tackle my email inbox whilst on taxi duty, waiting to collect my kids from their various clubs. Right now, I'm scribbling down a few thoughts for this chapter whilst cooking my lunch. Mushrooms and tomatoes on toast, seeing as you ask. I began yearning for a specific workplace of my own. A place where I could think, this is where I work. Today, I will grind out some creativity and get a thousand words written, no matter how little I feel like it. There's a difference between grinding out reluctant creativity and the sparkling creativity which comes from long runs, visiting new places and drinking coffee with interesting people. I also wanted a place that would help me separate my work life from the rest of my life. I would happily work all day, every day. The only trouble with this is that it's hard to stop. I don't dash out of the office on a Friday and forget about everything for the weekend. My work is never finished. There is always more that I could do, always more that I would like to do. It can become a bit of an obsession. Rather than working in the house, I wanted to go to work and then come home later and relax, as normal people do. This separation felt like a necessary and helpful demarcation for me to make. So I spent the first chunk of my advance for writing micro-adventures building a shed in the garden wallpapering the walls with the maps I used during the writing of that book. It has been a brilliant investment. My shed has become my office, my refuge, my commute, my audio recording studio under a hot and sweaty duvet, and a constant source of inspiration and satisfaction. On a weekday morning, I open up my shed after doing the school run. The heater in my shed's on a timer switch, making it nice and toasty when I arrive. I connect my laptop and switch on the power. The kettle and radio burst into life, already filled and primed, ready to go the night before. I try to resist the tyranny of the email inbox 
and instead get to work on what, at the end of the previous day, I had deemed to be my three most important tasks and stuck to my monitor on a post-it note. I'm usually on a roll when I have to stop for the day, so I'm being kind to my future self by telling the procrastinating morning me what to get on with. It's a writing trick that Hemingway used. He said, The best way is always to stop when you are going good and when you know what will happen next. If you do that every day, you will never be stuck. The day's three most important tasks vary, but most of the time they include getting 1,000 words written. That target is more tangible than do a lot of writing and less open to interpretation and faff than saying do four hours of writing. I try to blitz my thousand words before I get tired or distracted. I don't find writing to be a breeze. It's more like a daily ordeal I wrestle with. Distraction and procrastination are nightmare foes in the age of the internet. It can be a lonely world being a writer with nobody holding you to account. It's easy to drift off course and lose your way, particularly if you're self-publishing and so don't have the support and pressure of an agent, an editor or a publisher. I usually manage to write for about 45 minutes at a time before I need to divert my brain. That might mean putting the kettle on or going outside to do some pull-ups. Then I do another 45 minutes and I repeat those sprints until I've reached my day's target. That's pretty much the only advice I have about how to write a book. Don't check your emails. Don't wait for the muse to strike. Write 1,000 words at the start of every working day. 90 days later, you'll have finished the first draft of your book. Crime writer Michael Gilbert, for example, wrote 30 novels exclusively during his train commute to and from work over many years. Once I've bashed out my ration of words, I treat myself to the little dopamine hits of opening my emails, skimming my RSS feeds with Feedly and answering my Twitter at replies. It's usually late morning by now. I have an early, high-speed lunch, then return to my shed for a couple more hours, working on projects, editing, planning, admin, or more writing. My alarm goes off at 2.30pm, and I begin shutting everything down for the day. I stick a post-it note to my monitor with the three most important tasks I need to tackle tomorrow, top up the kettle for the morning, then set off to do the school run at the end of another day's work. Quick question. How do you motivate yourself to go on a run? I often struggle to motivate myself to exercise, mainly because I usually have to do it late at night. I have a rule that I only have to put my trainers on and run to the end of the road. After that, I can come home and eat cake if I'm not in the mood for exercise. However, by the time I get to the end of the road, I always just keep going. The doorstep mile is the hardest one.